Live Above the Noise, the Choiceful Family Project. Welcome to Live Above the Noise, the Choiceful Family Project. I'm your host, Wayne Yurcha. Our digital world brings us many benefits, but it also exposes our children to an addictive and toxic mix of tech, media, and consumerism that harms their healthy development and undermines their happiness. To better navigate the ever-increasing pressures and challenges of this accelerating digital world, today's children and families need to develop a power we call choicefulness. Choicefulness is a power built on a new and different set of skills, skills specifically designed to protect and prepare our children for a fulfilling future in the age of noise. So if you're a parent looking for new ways to engage with your children, motivate your children, and prepare them for a positive future, we have created this podcast to help you. This is podcast number four, and I'm here once again with my podcast partner, developmental and educational psychologist and kids media expert, Dr. Rob Ryer. In podcast number three, we had a terrific conversation with Catherine Price, and we talked about her book, How to Break Up With Your Phone. Catherine gave us some great information on uh, technology, on noise, and some really super solutions as to what people can do to be more choiceful in terms of their technology use and uh, find technology that really does uh, help them and, and assist them to live happier lives. So in this podcast, we are going to talk about something that parents absolutely need to know when they're talking about developing choicefulness for their kids, and that is high brain and low brain. Uh, Rob, let's just get right into it. What is the high brain? Why do parents need to be so aware of how important high brain is and high brain activities and abilities are for their children? Yeah, well, the high brain is the goal developmentally to move your child into the highest level of possible thinking. So the high brain contains all the goodies for success. Those would be things that would have to do with how your child learns to think critically, how your child learns to be creative, how your child learns to master and control the world around them, as well as their inside self-management skills. It's all taking place in the high brain. So the important thing to understand as a parent is the architecture, and we're not going to do this in a way where we make it complicated. So we're going to simplify it down to the fact that think of the brain as having three levels. Three levels. The highest part of the brain is where the highest functions occur. The middle level, the central level, is where the emotional functions occur. And the bottom level of those three levels is really the reactive brain. So this is called technically the triune brain. The research has been done on it. Bottom level reflex, mid-level emotion, top level thinking, high, high thinking skills. So obviously, if we're trying to become choiceful, that high brain area is the area that we most need to focus on. Now, in our definition of choicefulness, we focus on those three areas. We talk about awareness, ability, and control. So how does awareness, ability, and control relate to the high brain? Yeah, so let's take one step at a time. The awareness component of who we are 
has to do with how we think about our thinking. Let me say that again. If you don't think about your thinking, you will not be able to change it, adjust, make concessions, and be able to figure out how to do things, whether it's creatively or using your critical thinking. You must be able to slow down, think about what you just thought about, and evaluate that. That's some people call that the mind above the mind, the meta mind. It's the more advanced mind, and it takes 25 to 30 years to map that mind in so that you are self-reflective and therefore you can think about your thinking and therefore you can change your life according to what you discover when you think about that thinking. That's the awareness component of the high brain. So in the case of a child, for example, who just reacts to something, clearly they're not in their high brain, because I know we've talked about in the past about how someone who is in control of their thinking has a little bit of a pause built into their thinking so that they say to themselves, should I really be doing this thing that I'm thinking about? Is that what you're saying in a way? Yeah, there is a possibility of discovering this gap or pause and understanding that if you can master that pause, if you have the ability to think about your own thinking What you've done is you've understood that you can put things on pause for a minute and you can reflect on what you just thought or what you just did, which then gives you an opportunity to change your mind and do something new. Now, a younger child, which we all know how they do operate, they they use what they have, which is basically if they want something, they're going to become emotional. The reason for that is if the high brain takes 25 years, They don't have that skill yet. What they do have, and we'll get into this when we talk about different types of control, they'll use the control that they do have. And that control is using their body and their emotions to get attention of the caregiver that's around them to get what they want. They don't have that tool yet of being able to stop their thinking, pause long enough, self-reflect, and evaluate what they just did until they get to at least eight years old. And sometimes it's higher than that for a younger child. takes up to 10 or 12 years before part of the self-reflective skill develops, but 25 years before all of it develops. So it's a long-term process of learning with that in mind, with the focus being there and then becoming choiceful takes time, but you have to know what it is that choicefulness is about and what you're shooting for, what the goal is to become choiceful. And that's using your high brain for awareness is one of those factors. So this is clearly a developmental thing, just as you've pointed out. And the expectation is that as time goes on, children will develop these abilities and the awareness and the control to move in that way, to develop their high brain. But there are obviously things that can intervene in that process. And that's one of the things we're so deeply concerned about with this. And noise is a huge issue in terms of that development, isn't it? Yeah. And think about the the big three of, of media, technology, and consumerism. They don't want you to be good at your high brain. So that's that's the interesting part about it. To filter information, you have to have a high brain. And you have to be able to do that. You have to be a critical thinker, a creative thinker. 
That's not something that makes a lot of money for those people that want to drop you down into the emotional brain. They want to sell you emotional kinds of messaging. They want the emotional promise to turn you on to get you excited. And the people that have the higher brain developed are able to stop, listen to the message, reflect on the message, evaluate the message, filter the message. Those are all things that high brain can do and that consumerism, technology, and media most often does not want you to do. So that's huge that you would spend time in this particular area developing high brain for the sake of that kind of awareness. If anyone is going to have the possibility of a great future, they're going to have to develop that awareness and skill. And as noise continues to move along and the cycle of noise, which we covered in podcast two, continues to accelerate and become greater and greater, our kids, this is this is where they're really being targeted, isn't it? Where this vulnerability comes in. And if they're not able to develop their ability to, to be choiceful, but also from their high brain standpoint, if they're not able to do that, then they're kind of sitting ducks for this, aren't they? For this cycle of noise that's changing their values and changing their life and controlling their life. Yeah, they sure are. And the marketers and the manipulators that are out there that know this, just think of it this way. I mean, think of how juicy you can make the stimuli around a person, how seductive you can make it if you know what you're doing and if you know how to manipulate that brain to drop it out of the high brain down into the emotional brain. There's so many things that can make that emotional brain resonate. And these guys know what they're doing, how to addict. And that's because they know how to change the chemistry of the brain by changing the stimuli into emotional stimuli. And therefore, you are very, very, very vulnerable to that, and especially over time when you get used to that. So it's quite a challenge today, and it's not the same challenge that we've had in the past because the technology is growing exponentially in terms of how it can do that. And so now we get better and more powerful technology, and you are, you're caught up in the emotional piece of the technology. So it's like in the movie industry, the entertainment industry, how many car crashes are there now? Yeah, right. <laughs> you know, be, you know, that opening scene of that action film, you know, where the chase goes on and there's like 45 cars crashing. There's no accident. The, the six cars that they used to use or the eight cars, they no longer have enough strength or power emotionally. So now they're going to change the ante, up the ante, up the ante. And we all see it. We see what's happening in films, like action films now. Better effects, more car crashes, more action, more killing, more. All of that stuff has to incrementally increase to keep the emotional brain activated. And it's usually about like, I've never seen that before. Wow, that's really different. Oh, that's, that's it. That's where the hook is in the emotional brain, reflective brain, high brain, gets knocked out in favor of that particular emotional aspect of the brain. So we've used the term just in a general thing, low brain. So when you're talking about low brain, are you talking about the reflexive brain then? Yeah, it's a, it's a reflex brain and it's really uh, takes care of automatic functions. It takes care of respiration, breathing, heart rate, and it does that reflexively or automatically. 
So that's the lowest of the three brains. But the emotional brain is the one that is manipulated easily. The reflexive brain operates as a response to that emotional brain with regard to how the body responds to the emotional state that occurs in the midbrain. And then the high brain is what you have left to figure all this out, filter this out, make sense of it, and make it work for you. If you become automatized, if you're on automatic reacting emotionally to emotional stimuli, you're sacrificing the highest possible areas of your brain in the high brain. This makes me wonder about something that we've talked about before, the interplay between sort of the biology of the brain and culture. Could you talk about those things? Yeah, you know, people, they don't want to really think about how this dynamic interacts between your biology, your psychology, and the social culture environment around you. It's sort of the thing that drops out when you start thinking about, well, the culture is doing this, the culture. But it's a little more difficult for people to grasp the interconnection between all three of those things, your biology, including how your brain is wiring and rewiring, your psychology, how you're moving into psychological states, emotional states, thinking, uh, your thinking process is being altered, and the social cultural environment around you, which is powerful, really powerful in terms of influencing those other two dimensions. So it's often easier to just think about one of those things. Like if you go to the gym, you say, uh, okay, I'm going to work on fitness. That's my biology. But oftentimes you fail to, to understand how that affects your psychology and how it affects your effectiveness in the world around you, which is your cultural framework. So it's really everything is operating in all three of those levels all the time. And that's important, very important to keep in mind because the culture is going to keep shifting on you and it's going to get more and more and more and more powerful. And if you don't stop long enough to say, I don't know, I'm not feeling the same, which is you're starting to understand your emotional state. Something's changed inside me. I'm not as happy as I was or I'm more stressed out. So what's happening is because those three things are interacting and the brain is rewiring, you're having the psychological impact on that. And you must understand that the three are always working hand in hand. And does our understanding of this interplay between biology and uh, psychology and culture, does it affect how we actually cope with the increasing technology and the increasing noise? Well, if you don't understand the interaction and you don't understand your brain is being rewired, you won't take things that are happening to you as serious as you should. So once you get the idea that this interaction is taking place all the time, you have a choice then. You can become more choiceful in terms of filtering the kinds of things that are going on around you in order to not rewire your brain. And in that way, you will not affect your psychology the same way. Once you do understand these three elements, then you can have a better choice of, okay, then what do I do here? How do I manage this world around me in a way that assists me as opposed to having a negative impact on me? So from the standpoint of a parent, 
clearly the age of that child really uh, needs to be taken into consideration when that parent is trying to understand how to deal with those aspects. You obviously can't expect the same amount. And it, we know that in, inherently, we know you can't expect the same amount from a four-year-old as you're from a 14-year-old. But should a parent be aware of how their child is developing? And what is missing so that they can help their child develop those factors that society is sort of not allowing them to develop right now? That's what our whole goal is to help that parent find those missing parts. Yeah. If a child is going to have the best shot at becoming more and more choiceful, but yet they're at the earliest stage of development where the toolbox is not mapped in yet, then you have this dynamic, this balance that has to occur where the parent or the caregiver must make certain decisions for the reason that the child's toolbox can't make those decisions, that they're going to be operating at a young, at a very young age from a, a mo much more emotional state, physical state. So where is the high brain? The high brain's over here with, with the parents. And that's when the parent must understand this dynamic taking place around the child and then be able to get involved in understanding how to filter that information that is negative because the child doesn't have the filter yet in order to do it himself. And this puts more pressure, unfortunately, on the parent, which we know are stressed and under time constraints and everything. But that is where we're at, because there's no way that that child who is under the influence of technology and the noise that is so able to control them, it really is up to that parent to add that awareness piece in initially until they can build their child up to the point or help their child develop to get up to the point where they can start doing it themselves which is the end end result. Wayne, it's almost like saying, if you let a three-year-old uh, choose between a, a dish of ice cream or asparagus or something, something <laughs> like that, why would he choose or she choose the ice cream? Well, because biologically, it tastes better. The taste buds are set up in a way where the sugar and the components of the ice cream are biological. They taste better. Uh, for most kids, there may, there may be exceptions, but I, I never met one. But at the same time, th that's an example. Now, that goes all the way through childhood, you know, with regard to the choices. If those biological choices or those emotional choices are juicy, it's obvious that that's where the child is going to move and make those kind of choices. So something has to do the filtering because the bio biological piece is involved here. And that comes down to the parents. And, you know, that's why this whole podcast series isn't just about children. It's about giving the parent the tools to become more choiceful and more enriched in their own lives so that they actually have the energy and the time to help their child move along, which is such a tough thing these days. We just want to let you know, Mom and uh, Dad, that this is very, very, very difficult. We really get it. It's like this is a hard, hard situation to be involved in now and to try to get at least partially right to do the best you can do. So it is very different than it used to be. And we understand why the stress level and the chaos and the overwhelm is so high, because it sort of caught people off guard. 
I mean, when addiction occurred with cell phones, it's like people, they started seeing everybody walking across the crosswalks and in their car texting and using the phone. They went, my God, this is everywhere. It's during dinner at Thanksgiving, you know, with six members of the family, all on individual pieces of digital equipment. How did this happen? So it snuck in and it's here to stay. And we are an addicted culture to digital now. So that is very, 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 very different than anything in the past. And one of the big aspects with that is the whole idea of time, the amount of time that we all have, the little amount of time that we have. Rob, I know that next time um, we hope to go into a topic called time design. And time design is going to be about quality of your time and making the quality of the time better. Because if we can't do that, we really don't have much energy for anything, including our children, do we? It's impossible. Time is the very first element that we really need to deal with here, isn't it? Yeah, and I, and I think it's um, what we want to be giving our listeners now is tools, more tools, because the faster we can get some sense of balance occurring and you understand how to gain that balance, you know, time being the very, very first step. And time is absolutely critical to understand that you cannot allow your life to operate based on everything being equal in time. We're going to talk about the fact that, no, there are certain kinds of time that are better than other types of time. And you're not going to get those types of time unless you, first of all, understand what they are and you're aware of that. And secondly, you begin to incorporate those in your life on a daily basis. And I say, daily basis. The powers outside are too strong not to have some kind of a system in place or some way to counterbalance what's going on outside and around you. So we need to start with the idea of looking at time, how time works. Yeah, and that is just so true because I know in the in the past, let's face it, parents have always been under stress in one way or another. But what's really different today is I think that there is an active I guess, an active force out there or this combination of these forces out there of tech, media, and consumerism that are actively trying to control children's lives. In the past, sure, you had marketers that would sell you the cereal and etc. But this is now going to much, much deeper levels and using psychological techniques and repetition in ways that we have just never, ever seen before. That's clearly one of the reasons why noise is so massive of a problem these days and why we must deal with it. And I think that our listeners have to understand that the term neuromarketing, which is basically understanding by putting electrodes, for example, on the human brain to figure out what's emotional, what is lighting up the emotional part of the brain, and understanding that neurologically, and then designing items and emotional content to gain those aspects of the brain. So we're in a whole different kind of marketing thing with neuromarketing. Now it's gone right down to the biology of the brain and how to control it. Well, we even have an article up on our Noise Watch page on, on our website talking about how I believe it's Disney is looking at in test uh, theater groups where they're reading the facial expressions and reading the emotions of people so that they can decide what endings or what things to put in in terms of the way entertainment goes. 
So, you know, the question is, you know, what is genuine? What is going to be genuine anymore and, and what isn't? It really is scary. And, and it does come back to this whole idea that we started with, the idea of the high brain being so important. Because if we allow ourselves to drop into low brain or lower levels of the brain, we are never going to have our own lives. These are going to be lives that are dictated to us and our children are never going to reach the potential that they have in their lives. So, Rob, we always have a, a choiceful challenge. So what is the choiceful challenge for this podcast? Well, I think one of the things we can do around this idea of high brain and low brain is have the listener just basically say, how much time do I spend in my high brain and how much time am I spending in my low brain? In other words, how much time do I spend in my emotional life paying attention to things that are emotional? And how, mu how much time do I spend going inside myself and quieting myself down and thinking about my own thinking and becoming more creative or more a better critical thinker? How often does that happen on a daily basis? And understanding if you're just caught up in being on automatic, where you find yourself, I don't even have the time to be quiet or silent or creative or self-reflective at all until maybe I get to go to bed at night or have, you know, an hour before sleep. It's just monitor that because that change is occurring on a day-to-day -day basis based on what's coming in to the culture and how impactful that is. So that would be a great challenge for this week is simply notice high brain, low brain activities. And also for your children, I would imagine, hey, Obviously, you can't be in their heads, but you can certainly see where they are and how often they are in these higher brain activities and, and how often they're in the lower type brain activities, how often they're emotional or reflexive as opposed to being um, up there in higher areas. So that's um, the podcast for this week. Next time, that would be podcast number five. We're going to deal with time design, and I think everybody's going to find that uh, extremely interesting. So thank you so much for listening, and we hope that you got something valuable out of that today on high brain and low brain and just how important high brain is in this age of noise. So thank you, and until the next podcast, live above the noise. Hello, everyone. If you'd like to get our email update, about new episodes, tips and tools, and all the latest information, please sign up for our Noise Watch update on our liveabovethenoise.com website.